Welcome to INFP Thrive for Enneagram Nines, a show for gentle souls who are ready to shine. Hello, how are you? I hope you are safe and well wherever you are in the world. It is March 2020 and I am currently on lockdown in the UK. I live in a little seaside village about an hour south of London. And my mother was actually supposed to be visiting me from the United States this week. So I am very gutted that she is not here with me today. I get to see her. She comes to visit me like once or twice a year. And then I go back to the States once or twice a year. And um, so, yeah, I'm really sad that she's not here with me, but I thought this could be a good opportunity to tell you a little bit more about me and how I ended up here. I first moved to England when I was 18. I was a freshman in college and I wanted to spend the summer in England. And back then, maybe this is still even true, you could get something called a blue card, which made you eligible to do sort of hospitality type work. So you could do kind of like laborish type job. So I was actually a chambermaid up in the Lake District and it was the physically hardest job I've ever done. I had to get up really early and serve breakfast to all of these guests in this uh, inn. And then I had to clean up breakfast and then clean all of the rooms. It wasn't just me. There were some other girls as well. And um, so, my God, I've, I've never been so exhausted, like scrubbing bathtubs. It was the most humbling experience, but something that I'm very grateful for and something that I think all teenagers should have to do. And despite how difficult that work was, I fell in love with England. The Lake District is stunning to this day, the most beautiful place I've ever been on earth. And I loved learning about the culture, the British culture, which was very different. Like American and English culture has a lot of similarities, but then some things are quite different. It was my first time seeing like people out in pubs. Like I really love the pub culture, but I was also seeing different generations mix. As an 18-year-old college student, I was used to just hanging out with other like 18-year-olds, right? Uh, But there at the pub, I was seeing grandmothers hanging out with grandsons and everyone just having a laugh. And I just loved it. And I love, yeah, I don't know. I love everything about England. I got to go down to London for the first time for a weekend and I just loved the city. And so I was like, okay, I I feel like this is my home. And so the next year I actually, was it the next year? No, my junior year, I went back and studied abroad for a semester in London and my classes were like going to see plays and going to the museum. So our art history class was always in a museum. Our Shakespeare class was in a reconstruction of Shakespeare's Globe Theater and our history class was going on walking tours, which is my absolute favorite thing to do whenever I'm on holiday. And so I just was like, oh my gosh, this is magical. Like I want to live here. But as an American, I couldn't figure out how to make it happen. As a student, it's quite easy. You know, you can go and study. Um, Back then we had that blue card thing. Uh, But when I graduated, I was kind of like, how can I move back to England? It just seems too hard to get a visa. And so Many years went by and I eventually found myself living in New York City. And at some point I was doing some random internet search and I came across 
the possibility of getting a European Union passport uh, through my Italian ancestry. So my great-grandparents came from Sicily. And so I started digging into this and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm eligible. And so I started to gather all of the documents that I needed to apply. And so I needed to find all of like marriage certificates, death certificates, birth certificates, going back to my great grandparents. And then anything in Italian, no, anything in English had to be translated into an Italian to Italian, get apostilled. You know, when people came over through Ellis Island, names got changed all the time. And then also when people got married, apparently like for a long time, nobody cared about spellings of names or, you know, maybe people just didn't um, feel like they had a voice that they could speak up if somebody misspelled their name. So part of the process was you had to get these names officially corrected to the original name. So my mom helped me go through the process of all of this stuff. And uh, I met a translator on Lime who was going to help me translate these documents into Italian. And she said, you know what? I tried to apply for Italian citizenship when I was living in New York and the consulate rejected me. They were so strict. They're like kind of arbitrary sometimes. If I were you, I would just move to Italy and get your citizenship there. It'll be much faster. And so based on this advice from this stranger, I packed up everything. I left New York City, moved to Italy on a one-way ticket, and I ended up getting my passport. Um, and I had it within two months. And to be honest with you, I probably could have had it within one month um, because I was very lucky and met some really great people when I first moved to Italy. So I just looked online of ways to meet people. There was an English like Italian language exchange that I joined. And so from the beginning, I met some really great people who helped me figure out, figure out what offices I needed to go to and things like that. And part of the process of um, applying for citizenship in Italy, you have to like register and like live in a place and somebody comes to visit you to verify that you're actually living there and find out, you know, what your story is and make sure you're legit. And I, so somebody was trying to get in touch with me by phone to do this. And I was too afraid to pick up the phone because my Italian was not the best at that time. And I just felt too embarrassed. And so I just avoided the phone like the plague. And then two of my friends came over to visit me and we did a little tour around uh, the region of where I was staying. So I was in this little town called Reggio Emilia and we went to Cinque Terre and we needed a place to stay. And so we were like calling around. I think that was even before Airbnb existed. This was back in 2010. And um, so I was waiting for a call back from one of these housing places. And so I picked up the phone when it was ringing and it was the guy who had to come and verify me for, you know, my citizenship application. He's like, where have you been? I've been trying to get in touch with you. And uh, so anyway, um, Long story short, everything worked out. He came over to visit me. We had a nice little coffee. And I think he had a big kick of this American who moved to Italy and wanted to become an Italian citizen. And I ended up staying there for almost a year because I loved Italy so much and the people who I had met. And I had spent time in Italy before then. I had done like two months here and there because uh, I've always loved traveling. But um, so this was how I got my passport to 
the world, essentially, because with the Italian passports, part of the European Union. And so I could live and work anywhere in the European Union. And until very recently, England, where I'm currently living, was also part of the European Union. And then I don't know if you know about the Brexit situation that happened over the last few years. But unfortunately, uh, the UK opted out of the EU. And to be honest with you, I'm still a little bit confused as to what this means for me and other EU citizens who are living here. But anyway, that is how I ended up here. And um, my parents probably think I'm a little bit insane. <laughs> they're a lot more traditional uh, than me. And I think they're just like, Sarah, when are you going to like just get a nine to five? And you know, does that even exist anymore? Um, but I've been very lucky over here uh, with my jobs because my parents used to say, you know, who is going to hire you with all of these holes in your CV? Because I have bounced around quite a bit and moved to different countries a few times on my own. And I have to tell you that the kind of company that will hire you if you do things like me, is the kind of company that you want to work for. They are the type of company who is interested in people who take risks and go on adventures and have new experiences. So don't worry. If you want to do something crazy that's not going to hurt anyone else, I say go for it. If you can live a richer life, you know, you're eventually going to find your feet. And so since I've been living in England, I've done different contracting jobs for like three months to two years. And that has allowed me to work at a place, earn some money, and then in between contracts, you can go traveling. So that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. And that's actually how I got my job at Apple. So I was working there for a few years. And they hired me because they actually liked that I picked up, you know, left the U.S., wanted to live in Europe. So I made it happen. So I would say what I learned through all of this is like three primary things. You don't need approval or advice from people who have no experience in what you want in life and who aren't interested in the life that you want. So if you really want advice Go and ask people who are actually living the life that you want. And I would say the second thing is you have to believe in yourself because chances are nobody else is going to believe in you. And even people who love you, I think those are the people who tend to get nervous, right? Like if you want to do this big, crazy new idea or like start a new business or anything, pack up and move to another country, the people who are very close to you, I hope that they support you, but there's a good chance that they're going to worry about you and say, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? They don't want you to get hurt. And that's a wonderful thing. It's not that they don't want to believe in you, but they worry about you. So you need to believe in yourself. And three, you have to prioritize what you want. As INFP Enneagram 9s, if we're working for somebody else, we will prioritize everything for them, right? We're like, we're really great when we're working for other people, but we don't do the same thing for us. When it comes to things that we really want, we procrastinate and we tend to put the things that we really want at the bottom of our to-do list, right? 
first let me get through all of these chores and then this other thing that this other person wanted me to do and then, oh, this friend called me up and she wants this. Okay, we need to make time for the things that we really want to do, the things we want to achieve in life and the things that even we just want to enjoy, reading a book, you know? So I think that one way um, to make this easier for ourselves is to use our calendars more and to get to prioritize what we want first. So get those things on your calendar, like actually time block. I want to take this online course. I want to go to Paris. I want to apply for five new jobs this week. Make this time for yourself. Get it on the calendar. Okay, I think that's all I wanted to touch base with you on today. But I want to say that I believe in you. I know you can do great things. Just give yourself the time and space so that you can do them. That's all for now. Be well, and I will talk to you soon. Hey, let's continue the conversation. Head on over to my blog on Substack for more content on how to thrive through better communication, stoicism, and global exploration. That is right. Blogging is cool again over on the Substack platform. There you can chat with me in the comments, and I have plenty of bonuses for paid subscribers, or you can just read for free. So click the link in the episode notes to access the Substack Live Without Borders.